You are listening to the Amazing Women Podcast, where we enjoy meaningful conversations with extraordinary women. These highly successful entrepreneurs will share their stories of remarkable success and occasionally some spectacular failures. Come join your host, entrepreneur and best-selling author Rob Kopman, as he shares this hour with you and these fascinating women. Today's guest is Linda Fisk, and she's the co-founder of Lead Her Ship Global. Love that name. L-E-A-D-H-E-R-S-H-I-P. And Linda is an expert about talking about uh, partnerships and how that helps both in life and in business. Very important. We all know the benefit of partnerships, but there are things we don't think of. And she has experienced some very uh, unusual and helpful things that she can share with us, hopefully today. And so without further ado, here's Linda. So what would you like to tell my listeners first? Hi, Rob. I'm so glad to join you on your podcast today and so glad to connect with your listeners. So thank you, first off, for allowing me to be a part of your amazing show. And I'm really glad to be able to connect with your with your uh, audience. You know, the first thing that I would note um, when we're talking about partnerships is my belief that there is incredible power in partnerships that are based on mutual respect. And that mutual respect is created by extending trust. It's not about earning trust. It's about extending trust voluntarily. And because well, you know, I'm going to have to ask you about that, right? <laughs> That's not, that, yeah. right away. You threw something at me, which is great, but extending versus earning. Most people think, well, you have to earn my trust. You got to show me I can trust you. you. This is a much different attitude. So could you explain that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. There are times where um, it may be appropriate to ensure that someone has earned your trust before you lend them $10 million or you uh, co-sign a mortgage. But in most cases, when you're dealing with a relationship that doesn't have those kind of high stakes, then I believe that one of the fundamentals in creating a truly impactful, positive partnership is the ability to extend trust. And that means that I am going to assume the best of the people that I know, that I work with, that I have collaborations with. I am going to assume positive intent and I am going to extend trust to them until such time uh, that they prove that they're not worthy of that trust. I am going to assume that they are someone that I can uh, respect, someone that I am uh, have an equal partnership with, and someone that I absolutely can trust with my thought leadership, with my collaboration, and with um, you know the valuable sorts of creativity and innovation that I bring to the table. Reminds me of that old expression, I forget who said it, it was somebody famous, trust but verify, right? Yes, exactly. You know, and like you said, if, you know, if you're gonna embark on a low risk endeavor, you might as well trust the person and see how they do. If you're going to embark on a high risk endeavor, well, then you might wanna be a little more careful, but most things in life, I'm not that risky, at least not at the beginning. Even if you exactly. choose to marry, ask somebody to marry you, that's a big deal. But you don't do it when you first meet them, right? You have a chance to establish relationship proof. And your your outlook seems to be innocent until proven guilty. 
Exactly. And I believe that most people are incredibly trustworthy. And, and I would invite your listeners to simply consider what are the possibilities of adopting a new approach to problem solving, perhaps a pioneering approach to cooperation or a redefinition of the relationships in your life. All those things are possible through a really powerful partnership. And those things are incredibly valuable. And so I really believe that true partnership is more than just collaboration. True partnership is about moving to a relationship that involves co-creation, shared risks, shared responsibilities, and a level of interdependency that can create transformation for both people involved in the partnership. And so with that, that idea of extending trust seems to be very low stakes when you consider what's possible, when you consider the transformation that's that's um, a possibility through partnership, then certainly extending trust seems like a very low barrier. Uh, you know what? That makes sense to me. I get it. Um, I think uh, for the most part, I even do that to treat people. I'm always hopeful that they'll do the right thing. I get disappointed yeah. sometimes, but I at least give them the benefit of doubt because as you say, the return on investment or the risk, I should say, the risk reward is there. The, the chances of getting, <clears throat> excuse me, a very high reward are much higher than the chances of risking something and getting a poor result. And as long as you can okay. get out of it, it's not really a risk at all, right? I love that. And really is risk reward ratio. That's a perfect way of summarizing that. And, you know, I, I would also say that in a true partnership, uh, you need to understand what you bring to the table, what your value is, but you also need to understand what the identified shared value of that partnership is about. And, it, and in a true partnership, leveraging the combined strengths of each partner to achieve a level of impact that neither party could have accomplished independently is incredibly powerful, really transformational. So not only do I need to be clear about what I'm bringing to the partnership, really my value and my area of expertise, my strengths, my skills, my gifts, but I also need to be sure that when I have decided to embark on a relationship, on a partnership, that I'm going to uh, leverage the combined strengths that I bring to the table as well as my partner to achieve a level of impact that neither of us could have accomplished independently. And so that also means that you need to have a shared understanding of what success looks like. You need to have a clear and uh, I think very well-defined idea of what success means, not only from your vantage point, but also from the vantage point of your partner. Well, what you say really resonates. What's a success look like? You've got to decide that at the beginning, um, because if you don't share that viewpoint, it's not going to work. I remember years and years ago, before I met my wife, I was on a trip. In fact, I went to Israel. I stayed there for a few months and studied there. And I went and I remember there was this woman talking about marriage and relationships. And she happened to be orthodox. So they have a, still have a lot of a range of marriages, which I was not interested in. But she was talking about finding a mate. And what she said was the most important thing is having the same life goals, which is just what you're saying, just in a much broader sense. And, and when I came home and decided, you know, it's time to settle down. Let's see if I can find somebody. 
I had that in the back of my mind all the time. And I looked for women that shared those same life goals, the bigger picture. The little details weren't important. I don't care if they want to go on vacation to Scotland or New Jersey. That's not important. It's what you do with your life. And I guess it's not really that much different in business. It's just different things you talk about. You're absolutely right. And that's so well said. And I think that when you step into the power of partnerships, and there's not a better example of that than marriage, you are creating a really solid foundation for families, for businesses, for communities, for every single aspect of your life. And I really believe that partnerships that are founded on trust and respect, as we've talked about, really can develop an explosion of creativity and this idea of a multiplier effect that can really be transformational. The multiplier effect in my mind is really the ability to ensure that what I'm bringing to the table and what I'm contributing is leveraged to a more um, extensive level than I could have ever created on my own. And, you know, I have a deep appreciation for the transformational power of partnerships to create a world that is inclusive, that's prosperous, that's sustainable, that's resilient. All of that is possible, but it does take the cooperation and collaboration of others, um, you know, but and partnership, I think that, yes. You know, that's a good title for a book. <laughs> you know, like the, uh, the, what did you call it? The multiplication factor or the? The multiplier effect. Multiplier yeah. factor, sorry. The multiplier factor and then with a subtitle of course but that would get people's attention assuming there wasn't already a book like that out there there might be but uh in my experience i could see you're right now let's play i'm going to play the devil devil's <laughs> driving trouble today the devil's advocate uh in that many people will say oh you're starting a business or you're moving to the next level you're thinking of having a partner it happened to me well in my publishing business i wrote a book and i took on a partner somebody I knew very well. And they said to me, well, why do you want to do that for? You could do it on your own. Partnerships are dangerous. So many partnerships end in disaster, divorces, business divorces, lawsuits, you, you name it, right? Uh, yep. They all told me, make sure, you might like this actually. They told, people told me, make sure, and these are from smart business people, you can take a partner, but make sure you keep 51% of the business. So in the case of a tie or a, you know, whatever you want to call it, where you can't make a decision or you disagree and just can't come to a resolution, then you will be able to get your way because you have 51%. And I thought that was pretty smart, except I didn't like that idea at all because that to me is not what you say. It's not trusting your partner. What kind of message does that sound send rather? So I approached my friends with the partnership and saying, you know, Here's what people told me, but I can't do this without you. You have skills I don't have. I have skills you don't have. Together, we could do anything. And I want to make this a mutually trustful relationship. And since I started the business, which I did, I wanted a royalty. I wanted whatever, I think it was 15% off the top. And he said, yeah, I understand that. But you're, 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 you, you deserve that. But then let's just take that off the table and talk about the actual business when we write the contract up, the partnership contract. And we made it 50-50 because I did not want him to think I could ever veto him or override his decision because I had 51% of the stock. It would cause a rift from the very beginning, which would never go away. And partnerships are difficult. Even though they're wonderful, 
they are difficult at times and you want to start out on the right foot. Does that sound pretty much in line with what you're telling me? Yeah. And what a great example, Rob. That's such a beautiful example of equity and respect. It's acknowledging the value that each person brought to the partnership, you and your partner. And it's obvious that the partner, the partner, the power of the partnership was built on harnessing each partner's key strengths. And in my mind, that really is the, the core of a really powerful partnership is to be able to come to the partnership in good faith and keep the focus on creating a partnership with a shared vision and a definition of success that you both agree to. And then it really comes down to ongoing transparency. It's about openly sharing information, maintaining clear lines of communication and having really honest discussions around even the most difficult issues. Uh, you know, that's really critical. Being able to feel as though you can come to your partner about anything that is a potential roadblock or obstacle to your success, even if that issue is the relationship itself. You have to openly share information and you have to be able to maintain clear lines of communication, have really honest discussions for a partnership to be, um, to flourish. And it feels like to me, that's exactly what you were just talking about, is being able to establish what the shared partnership um, definition of success is, step into that with equity and respect and a genuine commitment with good faith to a partnership with a shared vision and a definition of success. So the magic question I have for you is, that sounds like you're pretty darn wise and you've learned a lot. And this is not something you were born with. So what led you to this path? I mean, what, what happened to you or what experiences have you had that helped you form these theories, opinions, whatever you want to call them, uh, didn't happen by accident. Well, maybe it did, but it certainly didn't happen overnight. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you got here. Yep. You know, that's a great question, Rob. And I will say a couple things. One, as you noted early in the discussion, everybody has had an experience where a partnership has gone awry, where there has been some sort of connectedness or some sort of mutually identified relationship that has fallen apart. And I think that I, like I'm sure many of your listeners have experienced that. And it can be traumatizing. It can be really, really um, crushing to have a relationship that might've been a real cornerstone of your identity and a real cornerstone to your, your work life, your family life, that just didn't work. And so I do believe that there are a few key factors that you've got to consider to create, operate, and sustain an effective partnership. And you're right, this comes from experience in partnerships that didn't work whether that is interdepartmental within the same corporation, whether that's interrelational with a boss or a coworker, or whether that is about forming a legitimate partnership within a owned uh, corporation or company, right? And so in all those cases, you are talking about fundamentally creating a partnership, whether that's, again, between two departments in the same company, whether that's in a relationship between yourself and a coworker or a superior, or a boss of some sort, or whether that is venturing on your own and deciding that you want to 
create your own company, but with and through a partnership. So some of the key factors that I think are designed to answer the question, you know, are we better off together than we are alone? Some of the key questions that I've learned that I should have asked and didn't ask, but certainly do now is, you know, you have to define the issues that the partnership is designed to tackle. You have to understand what the purpose of the partnership is really all about. And then you have to figure out if partnership is the right choice. Just as you noted, when you decided that you were going to enter into a partnership, you had options. You could have done it on your own for sure, but you had you decided that the partnership was the right choice for you. And I think that's the second step is really determining whether or not uh, someone else's skills and talents and expertise will be able to combine with yours in a way that um, leads to this multiplier effect that I've referenced. Well, and I then hate I to think you interrupt you. I hate to interrupt any yeah, of my please. guests, uh, but I feel compelled because I'm going to call you out on something. You haven't answered my question. I want to know about you, not what your knowledge is necessarily. I want to know about you, Linda, what, how did you, what, what happened to you? You know, what did you experience? Uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever. How, what are some of the big milestones in your life that said, oh, I learned something there, or oh, I'm not doing that again, or I like that, I'm going to do it again, or look at what that person did. I want to, I want to, that's a good role model for me. I want to do that. What kind of things have happened to you personally that have gotten you where you are today? There are two relationships that I'll juxtapose, and both of these were personal relationships in a work setting, um, one in which I served as the CEO, and I had a relationship with the owner and founder, and the other one where I served as a CMO and I reported to a CEO. In that first role, where I uh, served as the chief marketing officer reporting to a chief executive officer, that was a partnership that was absolutely explosive. It allowed me to be creative. It allowed me to be innovative. It allowed me to create incredible impact for that organization. And when I think about why um, that partnership was so powerful and why not only did I absolutely love my time there, but I also felt uh, supported and I felt like the partnership between the CEO and I was absolutely um, explosive in terms of creativity and inventiveness and um, just with the kind of impact we were able to create for the company. It was because it was based on extending trust. And although trust and familiarity are two cornerstones of any relationship that generally are built up over time through thousands of small acts every single day, I feel like in this relationship, in this partnership, there was this understanding that there was no need to earn trust. It was given openly and very um, transparently. And then I think there was also this sense of being patient with each other to go through difficult times and break through rather than break down during those times of crisis, during those times of, of maybe uh, the CEO and I saw a particular issue differently or we tried to solve a problem in, in very different ways. 
there was a sense of patience and a sense of persistence in continuing to work together to solve that problem or overcome that obstacle or work through that issue, creating the space for both of us to have that needed breakthrough rather than having some sort of breakdown in the relationship during those times of negotiation, during those challenging times that every business goes through. Did you know this person beforehand or did you meet them on the job? No, I met my CEO actually on the job and she was absolutely one of the most dynamic, one of the most authentic, genuine leaders I've ever worked with or for. And I will say that that was transformative to me because I thought- That was my next question actually, is whether male or female, because I know a lot of women have trouble getting to that place with a male counterpart, especially a CEO who's a representative of the company you got to really earn their respect and trust very often if they give you a chance. Uh, And in your case, you didn't have that roadblock. You were able to just walk in the door and say, okay, let's do this. Yeah, that's right. Do you think it helps that 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 the CEO was female or is it really irrelevant in this case? You know, I'm not sure. I I will say that it was um, refreshing to be able to report to someone of my gender And also, though, I think that this CEO was someone who uniquely um, led the company with a sense of authenticity that I think is really rare. You knew absolutely where this leader stood on all the critical issues. She was very forthright. She was incredibly transparent. And she had no problem having really healthy debate about issues and allowing people to enter into that debate as her equal and as her partner. So as long as she knew that you had the same goals for the company, she was fine with having those discussions because she knew in the end it'd be better for for her and the company and everybody involved, right? That's right. So did you have, can you recall a, a specific instance where she was maybe vehemently opposed to something you recommended and it turned out either for the good or for the bad, either one, I don't care. Um, but how did you get through it? And you know, what was that process like? No, the other neat thing about this particular leader is that she entrusted me to make all of the key decisions associated with, um, I'm sorry, Rob. Uh, make all the key decisions associated with marketing and promoting this particular company. But when it came to decisions around um, budget allocation or around priorities of initiatives, that's where as a leadership team, I think we were all equally um, invited to have a voice at the table around priorities, scheduling, budgeting, and issues that really were fundamental to the growth and scale of this particular company. But I will say that that stands in stark juxtaposition with another experience I had that led me to this idea of really studying partnership and really identifying some of the factors that differentiate a really powerfully positive experience with one that maybe went awry. And in this relationship, I was a CEO and I was uh, reporting to the founder and owner of the company. And we had, I thought, a remarkably dynamic, incredibly uh, open, transparent relationship built on trust and built on um, 
sort of an openness and a clear uh, shared vision for the business. But in, in um, times of stress and in times of challenge, I found that this particular leader fell back into a position of taking control and simply commanding. <laughs> and that was very different for me. And I felt like all of a sudden we weren't really partners in the development, the growth, the scale of this business. It really was a situation where um, at the end of the day, his particular position was to take control and command and dictate solutions with no tolerance at all for any differences of opinion or alternative solutions or possible options. His particular leadership style fell back into a situation where um, his entire leadership team was, was directed to take action based on his particular perspective. And in my mind, that's not really a partnership. That's not really um, a relationship that's built on some of those core values of equity and respect. You were treated um, like an employee and, rather than a partner. Exactly. Right? Do you think it made and, any difference that it happened to be uh, a man running the business rather than a woman? He has two very different experiences. It may be just coincidental. I don't know. But what do you think? Was there any correlation to gender in, in either one of these? Well, in this one in particular. Yeah. I would say that- Because that's a um, typically male attitude you're describing. Yeah. And I do think that that is probably true, that men feel much more comfortable in a command and control kind of leadership style. And I feel like most women tend to adopt much more of a collaborative leadership style because that's much more comfortable for most women. And of course, there's exceptions to the rule, right? There's absolutely men. Uh, men who are incredibly collaborative and incredibly uh, focused on developing really trust-based, positive, impactful partnerships with their senior leadership team, with their, uh, with their employees. But in this case, the juxtaposition of those two relationships for me really um, ignited this, this interest to understand what creates a powerful and positive partnership and what stymies that. So that's really what led me down this journey. So well, that's interesting. And it begs a few questions for me. Uh, when you got hired in this position you just talked about, right? Uh, how did you get hired? What were they looking for? Did they specifically want a woman in that position or are they just looking at applicants? Uh, what was their frame of mind when they hired you and how long did you work for them? So are you speaking about the first the second, the, the male owner? company? Well, I think at the time there was a um, interest um, by this particular leader to hire a woman and to have a woman be at the helm of this particular company. Why? But it became, uh, I feel like the interest was largely based on some of what you were talking about, that women tend to be very collaborative, that they tend to be very focused on um, their customers and their clients and ensuring that they're meeting the goals and expectations of their clients and customers um, in a, a really nurturing kind of way. And in the business that we were in, that was key. It was really critical that we nurture incredibly deep uh, sort of 
loyal relationships with the people that we were serving. So I think that that was part of it. And then I think part of it too, is that, that this particular leader was very interested in empowering women and ensuring that women had the opportunity to serve in that capacity and to serve in that role. Well, so you say he was interested in empowering women and yet, well, maybe just, just to a point, and maybe it had nothing to do with empowering women, but it seems like when he had an idea that he thought was better than yours, he just put his foot down and said, I'm not doing it that way. We're doing this, doing it this way, my way. That doesn't sound particularly empowering to me. So was it just because it was his company? And if it was a male CEO, he would have been the same way. Or is it because you were female and he thought you would uh, know your place, so to speak, and just and back down? Yeah, I, I, a I question, can't speculate I know, but... on, on what he was thinking and what his uh, perspective was. I mean, it's impossible to kind of speculate. But I will say that um, I think that what one of the lessons this taught me was to ask the hard questions before you enter into a partnership. Really ask the hard questions and investigate both at the operational and the personnel level. What are the expectations? What is the leadership style? And I think that it's incumbent on both partners to assess the risks and rewards of the partnership. I think it's really important that both partners emphasize and understand um, the roles, the responsibilities, and the expectations at the very beginning of the relationship, and they manage through that. And I think if I had asked some of those questions more, more clearly uh, about roles, responsibilities, expectations, leadership styles, areas of authority, perhaps I would have seen some of those uh, expectations set out a little bit um, more clearly at early in the relationship, and it might have led me to make a different decision. So, absolutely, what, what, one you of the you th- mean you may not have taken the job, right? Uh, how long did you work for him? A couple years. Well, that was yeah, not a long time, not a short time, long enough to right. really understand what was going on, and short enough so somebody wouldn't say, "Well, why did you just leave?" You did. Two years is not yeah. that long, right? right? So, kudos to you for taking the initiative and walking out when it right. was when it was time when you realized you weren't going to get where you wanted to go and but you left behind some great results and decisions and I'm sure they right. appreciated that and and uh their feathers in your cap regardless right so was your job with the with the woman who owned the company was that right after this one or was there time in between there was a uh, time between and I feel like Um, again, what this really led me to is being sure that in literally all the key relationships in my life now, I aligned the interests and objectives for the relationship, for the partnership early on. And I acknowledged the individual benefits of both parties, what I bring to the table, what my role is, what my area of responsibility is, what my expectations for the partnership are. And then I openly investigate and I ask the hard questions of that key relationship regard at the very beginning of the relationship regarding, you know, what their level of commitment is to the partnership success, um, how they want to be held accountable, how we together are going to learn from mistakes um, and how we are going to work together to catalyze real and substantial change and what our shared definition of success really looks like. Okay. What about in your, in your 
personal life, for example, does that carry off? Are you, are you currently married or in a relationship or anything like that? I am. I'm married. I was uh, married later in life, um, but I feel like that was a great decision also because at the time that I got married, I was really clear on what I wanted from a partner and what um, my role would be in the marriage versus my partner's role and what was really important to me in terms of the characteristics that I was looking for in a lifetime partner, the kind of characteristics, the kind of shared values, the kind of... Um, sort of, as you said in your story, what a good life looks like. And so if we shared that, we shared our values, we shared um, an idea of what a successful life looks like, what a happy life looks like. And we understood what we both brought individually to the relationship. It was much more likely to be successful, both good and bad. I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses, as did my husband. And I feel like we were very open and honest about those things when we came together. And of course, since then, I think anyone who's married can tell you it's a continuous learning journey that you're on about no yourself and about your relationship. And I know that since the time I've been married, I've learned an extraordinary amount about myself, some of which I'd rather not know, I think. But, um, you know, it's been a really remarkable opportunity to, to dive deep into, again, who I am, what makes me tick, what my shortcomings are, what my liabilities are, what my strengths are, and having that partner reflect that back to me in a very open, transparent kind of way has been an incredible blessing. So the principles are the same. You know, a lot of people are very different at work than they are at home, especially if they're a business owner or a performer. That's really prevalent in, in performers. It sounds like you pretty much conduct yourself the same way, regardless of the relationship. You've found out that these principles work no matter what. All you got to do is tweak them to the situation and... They work. And so it That's doesn't it. really matter if it's home, work, personal, business. It's all kind of the same, isn't it? Yeah, it is. More and, same than different. And so when we talk about partnership, that's why initially I had suggested that partnership can be conceived of as being a relationship between two entities, whether those are two different departments within the same organization, two people in a relationship within a work setting, or it certainly can encompass also personal relationships in your life, like a marriage. But in my mind, the idea of partnership, I think more than anything else, it begins to awaken um, the ways that you can redesign the relationships in your life. It begins to sensitize you to the sacredness of the relationships in your life and how you can create shared value with literally almost everyone that you're involved with and that you're collaborating with and you're cooperating with in your life um, to combine the shared value that you have in an exponential way to really leverage the strengths of each individual partner to achieve a level of success that you couldn't on your own, which I think is also the fun of being in relationship with people, to be able to pro solve problems in new ways, to be able to um, uh, even be yeah. able to see the world and perceive the world in new ways. It also lets you 
do what you're good at and what you like and not do what you're not good at or what you don't like. I mean, in my situation, I mentioned before with my friend, it's my publishing business and he's very creative. He's a great artist. He's a good designer. I suck at designing things. I could build it and make it work because I'm an engineer of, I'm, by, by personality. I'm an engineer. I'm not degreed engineer, but I'm really good at business, keeping the books, making the deals, finding, I'm the CEO, right? I'm the face of the company. Uh, I couldn't, design a website to save my life. Not a good one anyway, right? Uh, I couldn't uh, do, may, may, I couldn't, can't draw, whereas he can. He he's, does other things that I just can't do. And likewise, if he had to run the business side of it, he said to me many times, God, if I had to figure out those numbers and what you're doing, my head would explode. So <laughs> we're each good at different things. And then in my personal life, my wife is extremely organized. Me, not so much. <laughs> I'm the creative one. You know, my my desk often looks like the inside of my head and vice versa. And I like to cook. I hate to clean up and put things away. She doesn't really mind. So she always cleans up, puts things away, and, and I cook. So I'm doing what I like and not doing what I really don't like. If I had to, I would do the other thing regardless of the situation. But my life is much more fun if I could not do those things that I don't like to do, especially, here's the key here, especially if I know somebody I trust that will do a good job of it, will do it and get it done. If it doesn't get done, it's yeah. useless not to do it, right? But in a great right. partnership, you know the other partner is going to pick up that slack and do what you didn't want to do and do it to your satisfaction, more or less, right? Exactly. Okay. Yep. So Very how does this well relate to leadership global, your business? So Leadership Global is, I think, uh, very much a passion project. It's something that I have envisioned for, for a long time and finally decided that I was at a place in my career where it made sense to really pursue this. And Leadership Global is about enhancing the leadership blueprint for women all along their particular leadership journey. So whether they're a entrepreneur or they're working in corporate America or they're thinking about stepping out on their own and creating their own passion project, we are there to help support them and help connect them. So we connect them with relationships, with introductions, as well as we help create a whole curriculum for them around how to grow a business, how to scale a business, how to uh, potentially exit a business successfully, and not only do we focus on the business aspect of someone's life, but we look at leadership from the inside out. So we also look at those issues that women face uniquely um, in their leadership journey, uh, things like having confidence, negotiating successfully, um, listening to your intuition, um, how to regain a sense of confidence after a setback. And those things that um, perhaps women juggle uh, more than men in the workplace and in their their entire lives. So uh, we try to touch on and create resources for women, no matter what aspect of their life they need support or help or um, support for. So how could somebody find out more about what you offer or how to get in touch with you? You have a website? Uh, you simply have a, go you to leadhershipglobal.com. If easy. you go to lead her ship 
global.com, you'll see one of the first um, uh, options that we're offering women, and that is to join our podcast, to have their story heard um, and to listen to some of the most powerful and influential women in politics, business, and entertainment today share their insights on how they were able to advance their lives personally and professionally and how they were able to tackle some of the most important issues facing them at any given point in their life. Most recently, we had a conversation with Samantha Harris, who is an Emmy-winning entertainment journalist. She is a TV host, and she also wrote a book called Your Healthiest Healthy. And that book was born out of a breast cancer diagnosis that she uh, underwent um, about five years ago. And through that journey of breast cancer, she began to recognize how very simple lifestyle changes could have changed her diagnosis and changed her outcome. So she is sharing that knowledge with everyone, how to live your very healthiest, healthy life. And uh, her entire conversation is, is around health and wellness, hmm. because certainly without having a level set of uh, Um, of health and wellness, you won't have a voice that can change the world. You won't have the energy to be able to to meet the challenges in your life. So that's one of the fundamental, I think, core issues facing women is how to take control of their health and how to really embrace their healthiest, healthy life. And Samantha helps uh, talk about that. Okay. How does somebody find your podcast? Again, it's on leadhershipglobal.com. So it's all in one. And if they go to that website, they're welcome to register. And we will literally send the podcast to them every single week. Or certainly if um, your listeners are uh, used to going to Spotify and iTunes and other podcast platforms, we're available across all of those uh, podcast platforms, including Stitcher, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, et cetera. Sounds like um, a podcast I might be interested in. It sounds like you're trying to do a lot of what I'm trying to do. And uh, maybe I could even find some interesting uh, guests to talk to and invite on my podcast. How, how long have you been doing it? And is, are you the host? I am the host along with my co-founder, Christina Alford. And so Christina and I both host the podcast every single week. And yes, Rob, we would love to collaborate with you. We would love to partner with you on this this theme of partnership. And if there's any way that we can uh, collaborate on uh, a podcast or the guests that have been a part of our podcast appearing on Amazing Women, would love to do that. Yeah, I'd like to do that too. And I have a few guests that I think you would be very interested in. I've I've interviewed some very uh, dynamic and interesting and successful uh, women who are good at, good at um, communicating what they've done and what they plan on doing. So how long have you been, you've been doing the podcast? How old is it? Is it recent? You know, or we're fairly old? young. We're fairly new to, in okay. podcasting. Um, I don't need to know exactly. I would just... say that um, we are uh, really excited to be able to, um, we have now enough podcasts recorded to air a new episode every single week for the next eight months. And oh, so we yeah, we're really excited about the the entire program of uh, conversations with inspirational, powerful women in business, entertainment, and 
politics that I think will really impact listeners. They will really come away with actionable insights and real tools that they can apply to their life that day. I like that. Yeah. Uh, things that people can use immediately. That's always popular. You know, it's not nice to have that thing you put in the back of your mind. Maybe it'll come up in six months or a year, but something you can do today right now to change your life in a positive way. People are always interested in that's very, very valuable. So I think that's, that's great. All right. So it's uh, leadershipglobal.com. You have a website, you have a podcast, go on your website and you could sign up. I'm looking at it now. I see there's a sign up form on your homepage. You just fill in your first, last name and email and you will send the person the invites, letting them know what's the next podcast, who's on, or they can just sign up with, let me see, Apple, Google, Spotify. And you said you have several others, All right? Of All of them. Yep. Okay. Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, iTunes, all of those. And to yep. get a hold of you, should I just go to the site and go to contact or are you they certainly people can, use LinkedIn? Or I'm very active in LinkedIn um, and I would really uh, welcome anyone to reach out to me if you want to know more about Leadership Global, if you'd like to be a guest or you have a recommendation of someone you'd like to be a guest or if you just want to learn more, I would love to be connected with any of your audience members. Um, and you can get in touch with me at Linda Fisk at LinkedIn. Sounds pretty easy. Well, thanks so much for being a guest. You have an amazing amount of experience and knowledge in the business world. And you look at things a little differently than most people I've run into in a, in a, in a good way. Uh, I, I like your theories on, on partnership. Um, I try to live my life in a similar way. Obviously, we we think alike in some ways, although you've really taken it and, and honed it to a fine art and turned it into a business. Oh, thank you, Rob. Right? That's so kind of you. Thank you Which for is, saying that. That's great. Yeah, I, I really like that. All right. Well, um, thanks a lot. And uh, we're done. All right. Thank you, Rob. Thanks for joining us today on the Amazing Women podcast. Subscribe now and get the latest episodes sent to your device every week. Go to our website, theamazingwomenpodcast.com, to hear bonus episodes, download free business tools, and join our family of amazing women. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.